welcome back to the show. Today is episode 13. Today we got Peter, Peter Lamb from Malamotive. It's an Australian company. They offer the polyester we use, Resto Finish. They've now released an epoxy, Resto Epoxy. They manufacture Malamotive swines, so we get to pick Peter's brain on all sorts of things. He's um, he's a super knowledgeable guy. There's lots of science behind his thought, and I appreciate Peter coming on. I had a great time, and learn a lot of things so i hope you guys enjoy the show <laughs> so we got peter lamb from malamotive in new south wales on the phone how are you mate yeah good thanks so malamotive is that australian company uh yeah i'm sorry i'm just trying to um find somewhere with that bit, bit less echo that's right let's try and hear it's better yeah so it's our own company um we just when we got started, we just made up the name and went for it. Cool. So, how did you end up uh, in the industry? Are you a are you a panel beater painter by trade or anything? Uh, actually, not. Um, I'm not a panel beater or painter. Um, I actually studied industrial design and then did a bachelor's degree in transport. So, I did like an honours year in automotive design, and then I just built concept cars. Well, wow. and then. Uh, what led you to opening Malamotive then? Uh, well, I was just I was doing these concept cars and then building cars at home uh, with a buddy for, you know, friends and whatnot. That turned into a bit of a business. And then I just realised that there was no strong supply for, like, restoration or custom supplies. Um, so over, over the time, like, had a few ideas with different businesses and just chose this one go with it just felt like the the resto guys were not being looked after or serviced yeah so i've been i've been excited to get you on um malamotive's got a fantastic range of um like you say restoration products and tools uh, we could talk about them all day but um i'd like to dive specifically into like splines your final detailing blocks resto finish and the resto epoxy if that's cool so the splines, um, do you want to take us through the methodology there? Yeah, okay. Well, I guess the term spline or splining, um, it's been around a long time, like you know, more than 100 years. It, it originates from shipbuilding, as far as I've been able to track it back. Um, you know, and the concept of spline or the meaning of spline is to make a smooth curve, a, a smooth transitioning curve so it's not an arc or a sweep or a radius which is mathematical it's you know it's a little bit more dynamic um so splining you know it's used to develop i guess flowing form or flowing surfaces so whether it be you know in boat design um you know it's in more in car design used in clay modeling so you know when the original clay model is in the design studio and they're creating the form splines are used to control the shape and control the surface so the tools that we manufacture effectively we call them splines but the nature of what they do is splining the surface or correcting and controlling the shape right and your your splines let's call them or acrylic blocks um they don't run a handle what's the What's the benefits of not running a handle? Yeah, well, if you put a handle on it, they just become a sanding block. Um, you know, there's, man, sanding blocks are so trendy. It just seems like it's the cool thing to make at the moment. There's, you know, a dozen different sanding blocks around. But splines, 
splining is its own thing. You use you use a spline to interpret shapes, and then you use splines to apply filler, um, and you can use splines to sand as well. So the sanding is only one one portion of how they're used correctly. It's it's the control of the shape or the identifying where the shape needs repair is the highest benefit from them. And they come in um, multiple thicknesses, multiple lengths. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's different thicknesses. You know, obviously a thicker one's a lot more rigid. So if you have a surface that's a lot flatter, you know, straighter, or the crown's a lot lower, a thicker one will give you a higher resistance. So it'll create that form naturally. Whereas something that's a lot thinner, you can manipulate it and bend it a lot more. So it'll it'll crown to a higher a higher surface a lot faster. The difference would be, you know, if you're working on a vehicle like a 30 top rod or a Volkswagen Beetle, something like that, the shape of the cast, you know, it's a lot more um, tight and all the compound curves are more, more aggressive than, say, if you were working on a, oh, for example, like a 70s Cadillac, which is long and straight and flat. That's where you'd use a thicker, longer spine. So the thicknesses and the sizes really just proportional to the surface that you're working on. Right. And you mentioned that um, the splines are also a great tool for applying body filler. Yeah, that's right. So, just you know, it doesn't really make sense to apply filler in little three-inch streaks and then spend half the day rubbing those out. You know, if you've got a tool that's a metre long and the surface is, you know, a metre long and then you can effectively apply the filler or skim the filler over that larger area shape, you just eliminate, radically reduce the amount of sanding and you're just applying the filler correctly. And slowly building it up into the lows. Yeah, well that's it. I mean the spine's only ever going to ride on the high spots so it will naturally make, you know, the most beautiful shape it can riding off the high spots and then just leave the filler in the low spots automatically. The other tool that you guys offer is the the spring steel blades. I use them. I, I love those steel ones. It's it's hot over here in Perth, and it's a, a race against the clock to try get the filler in and, and try clean your tool. I've, I like the steel ones because if I if I miss that window, at least I can clean it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um it's always a challenge getting the timing right. So the steel ones are cool. Um, you know, even the steel spring applicators though, like you. You're using them like a spline. You know, you're controlling the amount of shape that you're putting the filler on more accurately. Yep. And then there's, you know, if you do want to slow you increase your working time with filler, there's tricks you can do with that too. What's what's some trick? I've had someone ask me that question. What's some tricks to increase your work time? Yeah, well, you can just reduce the hardener. So there is a certain percentage you can't go below, but if you know if you mix your filler on scales, you can cut back on your hardener. Yep. And then you could also reduce your filler too. Right. So just working in smaller portions. No, no, like actually like a you know, like a reducer, like put an additive in to to thin the filler to reduce it. Oh right. Yeah. And that's that's in a like in a technical data sheet that's approved? Well it's not very common in Australia, so a lot of the filler companies here which there actually really isn't any, um, you know, they're most predominantly imported. So you've got fillers from other countries. If you do your homework on the fillers from other countries, 
their manufacturers will have uh, reducers. Some of them called they're called honeys or smooth out resins. You know, they will they've got data sheets and they allow you to intermix in other areas. But for whatever reason, um, if you go back to you know the Australian importers or distributors, they don't encourage it. Some of the brands will allow you to intermix. So if they've got you know for example some brands might have four or five different fillers in their lineup and they'll say you can intermix their fillers to get the viscosity that you want. Um, but ultimately it comes down to just knowing the product, like what it's made out of, its ingredients, and then how those ingredients work together and then, you know, you can you know what to add. Yeah. It's, you know, the same as like, a, for example, a painter, a painter knows, you know, the data sheet might say, max, you know, you can reduce maximum 20%, for example. Um, however, they know they're running on a hot day, they can go to 25% and it will function correctly. Yeah, as long as it's not um, affecting the properties of the product you're using. Yeah, that's right. And that's where, that's, you know, you, you run that series of grey area there and you do run that fine line of preserving the integrity of the product. Um, you know, because if you're purchasing product from a supplier and then manufacturer everything else, they've got, they got to stand by their warranty, so they put the data sheets out there for that purpose. So there is a point where, you know, you will run on the borders of the data sheet. Sometimes you run outside of the data sheet. And that's when it comes down to the individual knowing, knowing you know, having a greater depth of knowledge on the product to know what they can do. Right. So you do offer, without coronavirus, you do normally offer training courses. You were heading over to Perth. That got cancelled on us. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we really enjoy doing the training courses especially on mining, um, you know, Corona slowed, it, slowed, it, slowed the travel down quite a bit. We're looking forward to getting those up and running again this year. So you'll be travelling around Australia as, as the restrictions ease? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have, you done, have you done any inter-country travelling? Uh, not yet. I've been asked um, to go overseas and do, do some mining classes. Yeah, we're looking forward to those conversations are still running. I have gone, personally, I've gone overseas myself to spend time with other other people in their shops, working with them to learn tricks and, you know, build relationships and whatnot. But I think, yeah, teaching spining overseas would be fantastic. Yeah. And if we move on to the detailing block, so it's a seven-piece detailing set. Um, do you want to talk us through these ones? Yeah, sure. Um... So again, it's just over over the, the I would say over the two decades of handy cars, um, you know, I just thought that there was an opportunity to improve the quality of the block for that specific purpose. Um, and over the time, I just played around and made different things. So the final blocks are a set that's basically a conclusion of trial and error of the best work. So they're really designed more for final rubbing, so not really controlling shape as such, but just scratch elimination, um, you know, fine-tuning surface profile, ready for, for buffing. So more, they're more designed for about 800 grit range up. Um, you know, they've got different, there's a few different sizes in that kit, and then 
there's also a few different densities to allow for different amount of flakes. And they, the colour that the block is, that determines which density it is, or? Yeah, that's right. We just just to make it quick, you know, you know, it's like you're normally working on something, you've got a bunch of tools and papers laying around. So we just made the different colours to represent the densities. Um, you know, and really with, with sanding, I guess with sanding blocks in general, a sanding block's only ever going to take the average of the surface that's immediately under it. So if you're running something that's soft, like those, you, know, you would have seen those pieces of foam or neoprene that have been around forever, if something's soft, the surface underneath being the paint or the orange peel in the paint is harder than the piece of foam. So the piece of foam is just going to compress and ride the peel. Whereas if your block is harder, especially, you know, you can go to the extreme and go to an acrylic block, the harder surface will win. So if the harder surface is cutting across the top of the peel, it's only ever going to take the highest point off, and that's how you level out the peel, right? So by having varying densities, you get the, it's getting that fine-tuned balance point of taking the peel or following the peel. So a hard block, like an acrylic block, you're rubbing on a surface that is has a slight amount of shape to it, a slight amount of crown, that acrylic block will only ever touch the center point of that crown. Whereas if you go to a block with a very small amount of flex, so say a firm block that's a high density, the block will allow the curvature of the surface, but then the density won't allow it to decompress into the peel, so it only ever skim across the top of the peel. So you'll be able to cut the surface profile flat while maintaining the curvature of the shape. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and the the purpose of the, the densities you're you're obviously you're starting firm and you're working your way down in grips and you're working your way down to a softer block, is that correct? Yeah, well that's right. I mean, you know, in restoration or custom work, a lot of guys will ask for that glass thing. So you need to cut the peel right out. And that's when you need to go to you know, hard or dense or firm block and then work your way back up. Um, some guys or some jobs don't require that level of work, so some jobs, you know, it's commonly just called a, a denib or a bit of a, a light scuff. So you don't want to go down and mow the peel as aggressively. So if you go to a softer block or a block with less density, it'll just soften the peel or average the peel. It won't as aggressively chop it flat for that glass finish. So that's one way to use it. And then the other way to use it is as you work up through the grits, you know, if you're down around an 8 to 1200, you want something pretty firm. If you step it up to a 1500 or 2000 grit, you don't need it as firm, where you, but you, you want the density there still. And then if you, go, if you go to a hand rub at, say, 2500, you want something a little bit softer because you're not trying to control shape at that point. All you're doing is eliminating scratches. So you want a, a softer block that'll follow the surface. Um, it'll, it'll follow the surface that's under it. You know, you're not trying to change the shape. So that's the reason for the different densities. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I do like those blocks. Oh, cool. So you've been using them? I haven't had a set myself. I, I you know Punk over here, do you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Punk's got a set of them, so they're pretty cool. Oh, cool. Uh, if we move on to the paint side of things, firstly, you yep. guys have recently released uh, the Resto Finish Epoxy. It's an anti-corrosive zinc phosphate coating 
you want to tell us about the epoxy you released? Yeah, sure. So what we're doing, just for a quick resto finish, um, we're just doing a, the whole idea of that brand is an Australian-made brand for, for restoration of the custom guys. So, you know, if you follow the traditional refinish process, it can get quite complicated, the amount of layers and coats and, you know, processes and products that you have to do to do a restoration in traditional refinish products. So we're just trying to do Australian-made products that specific to resto guys. So the epoxy in particular is we found that the majority of epoxies that were available tend to be a lot thinner, and they, they were used predominantly for effectively a, a waterproof barrier. Um, whereas what we're finding is resto, you know, metalwork, the metalwork's been, it's been heavily worked, so it might have some grinding marks, might have some pitting, uh, if you know you've got some evidence of some hammer dress up work, some wells, this and that. So we needed an epoxy that was a lot thicker, like a lot higher building. So our epoxy it comes it comes delivered as a kit and it's very thick, so it's around that seventy five to ninety micron uh, per coat. So a similar sort of build as what a polyester would have. It's a ridiculous amount of high solids and then we supply the kit with a reducer, with a data sheet um, for how you can reduce it. So if you do want to put it down just purely as a sealer, you can reduce it, put it down as a sealer. However, if you want to put it down, you know, on subframes, engine bays, pitted panels, uh, something you're going to do a lot of body fill work over the top of, you can put it down uh, unreduced, so you've got a lot more higher build, so then you have a lot more product you can work into while you're doing your sanding. Therefore, if you're doing a big job and you're sanding, you're not getting all these breakthroughs with bare metal exposed all over the place. You've got a little bit more time. There's a little bit more material there that you can work into and save those breakthroughs from occurring. That's the main the main goal with the epoxy. And then a lot of bigger guys have discontinued the red-brown, so we introduced that. Um, we've got, you know, white and black. So if you're doing subframes or engine bays, you can go straight to a black epoxy. You could scuff it. And then you could do a, a wet on wet to a black urethane. And that way you've got a consistent black all the way through. So if you get scratches or chip in at a later date, you don't have a refinish, a visible refinish coating under there. Same purpose as the red brown. If you blast the body shell, you can just red brown epoxy it inside and out. Go ahead and do the work. And you've got that OEM finish, you know, that was that was reduced from from when? From 40s right up until the 90s really that red brown foundation layer in there yeah so if you're going for a concourse build you can use the red oxide yeah that's right is the is the white and black intermixable to make a gray yeah they're all intermixable um so what are we what's today today's first of february so in about two weeks we'll have available uh the gray green and the gray as well oh awesome yeah so can these go over existing coatings like existing paint and things yeah, sure. So you can just treat it as, you know, if you're familiar with regular epoxy, as long as, it, you know, as long as the substrate's cured and clean and sanded, you can go over anything like that, sure. And it's overpaintable? Yes. Awesome. And no dramas going over fiberglass or plastic? Um, plastics have their unique, their own process. You know, you always should use the correct process depending on the plastics, the adhesion promoters, this and that. Fiberglass. 
two different ways to do it. So obviously, you know, in fiberglass world, they've got polyester, fiberglass, and epoxy. Um, you know, some industries use a vinyl ester too. So as long as the resins, whether it be polyester or epoxy, are cured and sanded, it's fine. But you are always going to get better adhesion using an epoxy on epoxy fiberglass and a polyester on polyester fiberglass. Right. And the cure time, it's on the data sheet, it's three days full cure time? Yeah, that's right. So you can set up a little bit quicker, um, like you know, in the initial few hours, but the full cure is three days. So there is a, we'll, we'll be coming out with the data sheet for a wet and wet application. So if you want to epoxy and then polyester over the top of that, it's got a window from one to six hours for a wet and wet application. Otherwise, want to do you know extensive uh, filler work extensive sanding for you know further coating we advise three days full cure in their sand all right so it's a... we, with, with, the, with our um, whenever we talk to resto guys we try and be realistic on the product what we've found especially with data sheets is over the over the years data sheets are very much designed for smash repair and refinish so it's always the shortest time frame that they can do and it's always we found that data sheets always written in a way what you can get away with and not the best results um you know for example like let's just talk polyesters for a moment you know a lot of data sheets around there they say polyester can be sanded within so many hours it never it never actually says full cure is achieved um you know i mean imagine if you went out there on a data sheet and told the world that it was you know polyesters are a 10 day cycle you know the, the smash repair industry would come to a halt really but we're restoration guys they pay a lot more attention to the full cure cycles of products so i think it's really important to you know make sure you're clear on information like that yeah i saw colton from linear does a bunch of um, shrinkage tests which was interesting to see how long products are actually taking to fully cure and stop releasing solvents and things yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where, you know, we believe restoration is. It really is. And especially now, it is a different industry than smash repair. You know, um, products do shrink and age over long periods of time, so you need to be aware of that. Yeah. So it's a high-build direct-to-metal product. What was the what was the thought process behind releasing an epoxy when your polyester is direct-to-metal as well with a high-build? Yeah, so my polyester Polyesters are still for the bodywork process. So if you're, if you're fine-tuning surface, um, you know, most predominantly exterior, but let's just say, for example, break a card down to A and B surface. Let's call A anywhere that's painted colour and glossy, and B is everywhere else, right? Polyesters are an easy to sand. No, I shouldn't say easy. They sand a lot easier than other products. They're powdery and they're extremely high building with minimal shrink. So polyesters are fantastic for perfecting shape, you know, reworking surfaces, things like that. Whereas you don't need polyester car inside and out. You know, if you're, in, you know, under the dash, the firewall, in the booth, things like that, things that you're not going to paint glossy, there's no need to use polyester there. So an epoxy is a better solution Epoxy has just amazing adhesion to steel. Um, it's you know it's thinner build. You can scuff it to paint it, but you don't need 
radical build that you do of a polyester. So really, we started with our polyester, then there's still the need for epoxies in other parts, like, as I mentioned, the B surfaces of a cut. So the advantages of a direct metal polyester, however, is if you're working on the exterior of a car, um, you know, you're working away, you've got bare metal exposed, you go up to the next stage, you need to apply something. If the time-saving attribute where you can just apply the polyester over what's there, you can apply the polyester over your breakthroughs, your rub-throughs, bare steel, you know, mixed substrates, and you're going to get correct adhesion. So it's a efficiency or a time-saving feature into the product. Right. And the epoxy, all your Risto finished products, are they available overseas or are they just Australian? Just in Australia at the moment. Um, we're headed on the market now. We're coming up to two years soon. So we've had some inquiries from overseas. That's a, you know, I think that's the, that, that would be a bit of a dream or a bit of a vision to head that way. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to see it um, out in the world. They're definitely fantastic products. Yeah, thanks. Um, so the Resto finish, this is the polyester. We use a lot of this stuff. How does this compare to, say, the All You Need? Yeah, so All You Need's been around a long time, 35 years. Um, you know, we've dealt with All You Need for 10 years now. So All You Need comes out of the US. It's an amazing product. It's... It's got a lot of similarities between the two. Um, we really just, you know, tried to support, yeah, like, you know, Australia's, we're a small country on the world scale, but we've got enough of a restoration industry going on to really just want to keep the money at home and support local businesses. So we just decided to go for an Australian-made product. Yeah. That's... Where, yeah, the comparables between the product out of, out of any, any two polyesters, in the world that we've been able to find, they're probably the most similar two products that exist. Yeah. So the Resto Finish, it's anti-settling, direct to metal, you can wet sand it, um, 100 microns-ish per coat, minimal yep. shrinkage, 80% solid, it's got zinc phosphate, and comes in multiple colours. Yeah, that's it. So that all you need, I don't believe, has the anti-settling property, so if you leave that on the shelf for a week, it's going to take you about two hours to mix it up versus the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, it does settle extremely quick. Anyone that's used it knows about that. Um, you know, if you're willing to go through go through the pain of stirring it up, it's, it's a great product. So your resto finish, it's mixed at 100 to 2, so 20 mils of hardener per litre of primer. Yes. So that, that works itself out to be 80%, 87% solid. Uh, so the product itself is 87% solid and then the yeah 2% catalyst and reducer you don't reduce the product it doesn't need to be reduced you can use it as is however you can reduce it so if it's a just spraying on warmer temperature so you know anything above perhaps 30 about 30 C um, or if you want it to if you want to feather it out or thin it out um, to a blend or something like that, you can reduce it. So we do a, a universal polyester solvent. So it's a solvent that's specific to polyester, and you can use that to reduce, and then you can use that as a surface cleaner and also a gun wash for the polyester. Right, so 
cleaning out the polyester out of your gun, the, the gun wash does curdle it, so you recommend this polyester thinner? Yes, that's right. Cool. And application-wise, you're using like a 1.8 to 2, 2.2 or something? Yeah, and you get good results for 1.8, 1.9. Uh, you know, 2 mil stuff to open it up a little bit. It's really nice. You know, if you want to set up a nice big fan, if you've got a lot of surface area, 2 mil works great. Um, I, I personally, I go to a 2.2. Uh, so I set that up with a huge fan, and I'm normally doing the exterior of the whole car in one go. So basically, you know, you might put eight litres on in one sort of session so I find a bigger fan I can move quick and get a nice even coverage and it also another feature that I found quite good is uh, if you catalyze the product it doesn't like a normal polyester just goes off super duper quick um, the resto you actually have time to work with the product yeah that's right so we've got I think on the data sheet there we've got one hour of hot life so probably use it more it probably has a pot life and a you know a feel and a, a application more like what a high build primer would feel like it doesn't it's not like a traditional you know poly as such so you do have more working time um, but then also you've got a longer curing time as well so if you probably notice you know 24 hours it's set up can sand it, it's a bit gummy, but then 48 hours, it's really sort of, it's a bit harder and crisper to sand. Yep. Um, and that's just what we found. Again, other, you know, traditional polys that you're pretty standard with, they come in one litre cans, and they're really designed for repairs. You know, you're doing half a quarter or a quarter for a smash repair, so they're designed to go off quick and be used quick, where, you know, in resto custom, we're doing whole cars, so you need that, you need that longer working time. What's the full cure on the Resto Polyprimer? The full cure, um, so that I go 10 days. Anything, I 100% believe that anything polyester is 10 days. Right, and do you let these naturally cure or you actually run a bake cycle? I prefer the first cycle to naturally cure. Um, you can do a post cure, you get a bit, you know, it gets stuff get a bit specialised. Anyone in fiberglass industry would be real comfortable or familiar with it so it's more of a ramp up cycle um, so the product's designed to full cure at 20 25 degrees however you can do a post cure so what that means is you spray it let it cure naturally and then somewhere within the first 48 hours you'll do this you'll give it a low temperature bake for an hour let it cool then give it a, a higher temperature bake for an hour let it cool and then you can do as hot as you can bake and then let it cool and you'll be able to accelerate the 10-day cure cycle down to like 48 hours. Um, it's a bit tech, but you know, if you want to get into it, just look up, the guys can just look up post-cure of polyesters. Yep. And the direct-to-metal side of things, so is that literally for breakthroughs, or is if something was completely bare-metaled, you can go over it with the resto finish? Yeah, so if you've got something completely bare-metaled, again, I'd break the car to A and B, so I'd I'd recommend using the polyester on your A surface. So, you know, let's say you've bare metaled it, you know, a roof and body side of the car, the whole area, you put the resto finish straight down um, onto the bare metal and then start doing your body work up from there. All right. So it can go straight onto clean raw steel? Yeah, as long as the 
awesome. And what about, say, you're working like an early model Corvette, you've got fiberglass bodies. Is it is that okay? Is the polyester okay to go over fiberglass, directly over fiberglass? Yep, it absolutely loves it. It's effectively, it's made from the same base resin. So, you know, Corvettes, polyester resin, uh, resto finish polyprimers, polyester resin. It absolutely loves it. And what about, say, the the fiberglass bodies are obviously going to have a bit of flex to them, the, and poly primers are generally renowned for being quite rigid. Is there yeah. any, any issues with cracking or anything like that? No, so it's got the, the ingredients that we put in for the adhesion to seal. It adds a little bit of, um, sort of it's also got like elastisizers in it, so the polyesters don't dry as brittle as the old school traditional polys. They... You know, they're designed to adhere and smooth and flex and expand, you know, with with a panel, with a steel panel. So I wouldn't go as far as putting it on a plastic, you know, like a plastic bumper that can, you know, is completely soft and flexible. Um, but as far as a fiberglass body, that's absolutely fine, especially with the same, you know, gel coat or a resin that the composite's made from. So you wouldn't go to an epoxy, let that cure, and then poly over top? you go straight over with a poly? If it was a polyester fiberglass body, sure. Awesome. And so steer clear of plastics almost? Yeah, it's probably, there's probably better options than plastic. Yep. I, I do, we do have some, some customers that have been using the polyprimer on plastics with great success. Um, but, you know, plastics are their own thing. And what about old acrylic paint? Are you, is it a good product for locking down acrylic? And if you're yeah, trying to save some money, that's a tricky one. Um, old acrylics are really, they're really, it's a real hit and miss thing. So the the polyesters have, you know, they got an acetone component in there. The acetone obviously can attack the acrylics and soften them. So what we've found through just experimenting you know you would have come across the old acrylic primers and the old acrylic spray fillers if you get the acetones or the solvents into that layer it can cause some issues but if it's like a OEM factory acrylic job you know like an 80s car for example it's dried up and it doesn't have those aftermarket refinish filler primers in there you can use polyprimer onto an acrylic. It's you know a little bit more. There's a little bit of a special technique to get it to pull it off successfully. It can be done, um, but you know it's there. There are alternatives there, like epoxies are good to lock down acrylics. It's there's no there's no hundred percent yes answer for that one. Um, you know, sometimes you're always going to run a risk if you would chancing yeah. going over it yeah you know and in just in just conversations come across to like do you know it's an acrylic or is it you know it, it's a base coat that hasn't had you know base coats don't use hardness so is it a base coat that hasn't gone off properly is it an enamel is it once you get into old old paint jobs Unless you're one hundred percent what the product is, it's um you know, you're always running the risk. So but 
there is a trick. There is a trick with using a polyester over old things like that. Um, you just got to do your first coat 100%. Like, do not reduce it. So you want to avoid the solvents in it. You want to do a lighter coat and allow a lot longer flash off time on your first coat. Let that first coat really skin up, and then you can start to do some build coats over the top of it. And I've seen that done uh, quite a few times, very successfully. But then I've also, you know, seen some fry ups and some situations arise from from doing activated or you know um, two part products over the top of old jobs as well. Yeah, like you say, it's a it's a tricky one to try and navigate yeah. around. And it's also the nature of the job, like car, you know, how much time is the car worthy of, um, the client's budget, how much effort you want to put into it yourself. It's, you know, how fast you need to deliver the project. There, there's a lot of variables to, to you know, what, you, what you're willing to do. Yeah. So the, the resto finish is... Is it a minimum grade of P120? Ah, uh, no. No, you can use, you can, you can use coarser paper, you can use finer paper. Um, you know, it just comes down to how good you can put it on, because obviously if you put it on with a little bit of peel, you don't want to use paper that's too fine. No, I'm you sorry. Can... I'm talking um, surface preparation before application. Oh, okay, sure. Um, before prep, before application, no, it'll, it'll go over. I think we've done testing up to 320. Um, oh, we've done look, we've done testing over un, unsanded surfaces directly over glossy finishes. Um, but if you're if you've rubbed something up, you know, let's say you're working on a project and you've you've 120 it, the 20, you know, that's around. I think a scratch, like a 120 scratch, off the top of my head, is probably around. Um, 90 something microns, 93, 97 microns, somewhere around there. So if you're at 120 grit, you know, one coat of poly at 86% solids will fill that scratch and not shrink into that scratch. And then you'll start to do build coats over the top. If you obviously have coarser grits, you know, the depth of the scratch is a lot deeper than what the film build of the product is. If you're at a finer grit level, you know, if you've rubbed something up to 320 grit, for example, you've corrected the shape, the surface profile is a lot minimal, so you probably don't need to go to a polyester to get build to rework. So it's more where the build of the product sits at what stage of refinishing the surface you're at. Yeah, it was more adhesion. Um, I've, I've heard it over here that the, yeah, the resto needs to go over 120 or you're going to run into adhesion issues. Yeah, no, you can go, look, I think on our data sheet we have anywhere from um, 80, 80 to 40 is, you know, the ideal range. That's good to know. And same thing again, you got multiple colours within the range and completely intermixable? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So we've had a request from quite a few customers, say they're building a project for a client. In the, in the client's mind, they've got an idea what colour they want the vehicle to be when it's finished. So what it means is early in the bodywork stage, they can get a colour that's, you know, headed in the direction of the colour of the vehicle that they paint job that they want. They can mix it. So then the client gets to, you know, 
see the see the car in the colour that's in their mind very early in the bodywork stages to see if they're liking that direction or not. Plus, also, if you're going to paint the car red, um, you use red primer. If you ever get a stone chip or a scratch further down the track, it's not it's not going to stand out like crazy. It's going to hide itself a lot better. So then, you know, for coverage, for base coat coverage, if you can value shade, the primer is going to give better coverage or a richer colour come through. So there's, you know, there's quite a few reasons why coloured primers are of a benefit. Yeah, and as a refinisher, we, in our shop, we, we step the resto finish. So we'll start with, say, a, a pink, for instance, and then go onto a grey or a white. And then we know when we're block sanding for a final block sand, we know when we're getting down to the final coat and we just we have to move on to eliminating scratches. Yeah, that's cool. It's, yeah, I've heard you know, a, few, a few guys doing that and also it saves your breakthroughs too. Like if you're blocking away and then you see the first coat coming up. Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> you see that first colour coming up, then you know to pull up and stop before you break through your steel. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that step. Yeah. Um, What's the available? I know coronavirus is probably making things a little bit tricky at the moment. I've, I've heard uh, our distributor over here, one of the distributors is Park Automotive. They're having issues trying to get the product. Is it still easy enough to get? Yeah. No, we, we uh, two weeks ago, we ran a new batch. So we made our new batch. That was since first batch since about October. Um, you know, so we went to an Australian manufacturer uh, or, you know, design the product here so that we could source everything and make it locally and get better turnaround times, better supply, all of that. And then everything that happened, one of our ingredients that comes from Germany, actually, um, there was a hold up on that. So we're missing one of the components to make it. Uh, so there's a lot of delays in freight. So we finally got that. That turned up over Christmas time. So then... You know, mid-January, we were set to go to make, start making again. Awesome. And what's the shelf life on the resto finish? Uh, 12 months for cool. manufacture. Cool. Yeah. All right. This has all been very helpful. Thank you so much for that. Cool. Um, your training courses, are they, once the everything settles down, are you still offering them over east? or? Yeah, we're going to head over. I know um, WA has probably got the toughest restrictions for travel within the country. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've got some... In other states, we've got one. Uh, I think we've got one in Brisbane coming up in a couple of weeks, and then we've got a couple of New South Wales. Um, we're just about to finalise some dates for Victoria again. So as soon as uh, you know things open up, we'll get back over there. We're headed over for sure. We've got a list of people uh, booked in, ready to go. And you, the one in Western Australia, run that at Flynn's refinishing. Yeah. So what we do there is. You know, we have distributors for the products. Um, we like to work with our distributors, so we just we just ask them. We just say, you know, who would you recommend? Who's interested in doing this? And then we find a workshop that wants to host it. Awesome. And should we finish up? Why should everyone be blocking wood splines? What's your top tips with uh, blocking wood splines versus competitors? Uh, yeah, compared to other things. Yeah. Um, Tips on splines, man, there's a whole, there's heaps. I could spend days on tips on splines. Um, I'd probably say... Do the course. There's, 
there's, there's ways to get the shapes correct, to get the form correct before you start blocking. Like blocking is towards the end of correcting the shape. Um, I think, unfortunately, just through all education and years and you know skills and everything, there's there's a misconception that you need to spend weeks blocking. Um, so splines let you correct the form or correct the shape more accurately before you get to blocking. So, you know, dealing, identifying, let's just say your highs and lows, identifying your surface change, surface correction, fixing those, getting those closer before you get to blocking um, would, be, would be the highest benefit of a spline. Secondly, splines, that's what the shape's been designed with. You know, for the 80 or 90 years, every car studio, design studio around the world building clay models, the actual surface of the car is designed with splines. So these tools or this process, that's how that shape was made. So it just makes sense to use the tool that the shape was made from originally in the studio. Um, yeah, so just, you know, once you're familiar with a few principles, then it just becomes easy. Yeah. One other thing is when you're, when you're applying the body filler with the spline, yeah. you're obviously stacking it slowly and putting in nice thin builds. Are you keying in between your application or you, there's a chemical bond there where you can apply filler directly over filler? I know, 100%. So, you know, chemical and mechanical adhesion is the best. If you can get both, that's the way you want to go. Um, you know, I, probably, I, I would never recommend putting filler over the top of cured, unsanded filler. It's always, always sandy between coats. Okay. So, it's different. You know, you just, look, I use, I use lines exclusively for, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine years. I never knew what an orbital or a whizzer or a buzzer or a speed fire was. Everything was hand sanded and spliced. So, you know, near a decade. Then, you know, I heard horror stories about using orbital sanders. Now, I believe in using, let's just say, powered sanders or mechanical sanders to accelerate process. So, it's not to use orbital sanders or machine sanders to control shape, but just to accelerate process. So, if you do a a big skim of filler over a large area and you know you need to put more over the top. Why would you waste time trying to block it when you know you can just get an orbital sander, take the uh, surface, take the, the sheen off the surface, clean it, ready for the next application. Um, so, you know, using splines to apply, there is definitely, definitely ways to accelerate the application process for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, mate. Um, you're a super knowledgeable guy. I, I've, I'm looking forward to catching up when um, when the borders finally open. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, mate. Thanks for coming on. Cool. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to you again. Cheers, mate. See ya. See ya.